Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Hattie Stewart. My name is Hattie Stewart and I'm an artist and illustrator based in London. Known for her unique style of doodle bombing, Hattie's drawings are recognisable for their precise cartoonish and psychedelic forms, often laid over photographs or existing graphics as character-filled streams of consciousness. What I do is kind of really varied. It's like, I guess my style's very specific, my illustration's very specific, but how it's applied and the projects that I do are completely all over the show. Hattie began working commercially for fashion brands such as Luella and has since amassed a client list that includes Apple, MAC Cosmetics, House of Holland, Mark by Mark Jacobs and Pepsi, and has also published two books and had her work exhibited across the world. I'll do like some advertising, I'll do fashion, I'm focused on my own personal work and the art and I'm shown in galleries and all this kind of stuff, so everything is completely random, although I hate that word, it's a terrible word. one of those cliche illustrators where I always drew, I always loved to draw, I always drew my own toys, a bit of an active imagination. And it, when I got older, it was more like playing with like fashion photography, like, you know, art painting. It was just a bit of everything. I was very fortunate in that I had encouraging parents that knew my skill set and allowed them to flourish. Same with my sister too. I remember my mum saying, I wanted to be a fashion designer at one point because my sister was. And my mum was like, no, no, shut the fuck up. You're the illustrator, she's the designer. I was like, oh, shut up, okay, you're right. <laughs> but I knew I could draw, so that became my focus. So I decided to do illustration, and then that became the sort of anchor that I could then go and do everything else. I studied at Kingston University. They had a great, great illustration course. I had a bit of a tough time there. I failed my first year and had to retake it in the summer and almost failed my second year and just about brought it back in my third. I, I found it very difficult because what I felt what I wanted to explore was kind of poo-pooed by the teachers. And I felt it was more like, no, you should do this, you have to do that, you have to do this, instead of just allowing me to flourish with the things that I loved and enjoyed. It was more like, no, 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 don't do that, bring it back, do this instead. It was quite hard at first, but I think it's, you've really got to stick to your guns, even if people don't get it. Because no one got it at first for me, what I wanted to do. And then slowly over time, people picked up. Like I'd rather fail doing the things that I love instead of failing doing what someone else told me to. I did do a few commission things when I was at uni, and that was one part that did really help. Uh, I was very lucky in that my sister had just graduated from Westminster doing fashion, and she'd interned at Luella. And then when she left uni, she then went there full time. So me being the illustrator I'm in first year, she was like, oh, we need some blobby monster drawings and some like melty hearts and stuff, which is right up your street. And I was like, oh yeah, great, amazing. So I did a few illustrations for them, and then over like, Oh God, it must have been like a six year period, uni and afterwards, every now and then, those relationships would slightly be, slowly be grown and finessed and whatever, and then led to me working with Henry in House of Holland. But working with clients whilst I was at uni, I learned so much from that and that was great. Because also whilst I was struggling at uni with being understood, it was great then to be like, well, you know what, you can shut up because there are people over here who do want to work with me and who do understand what I'm doing. So yeah, I did do the odd thing here and there. When I graduated, to, I was back home for um, a year or so, 
Uh, I couldn't afford London or thing like that. I was just working in a bar. And then I made the jump into London. For a couple of years, it was quite tough. I think it is for anyone just trying to find your footing and find your little space. So I just did a year or so, a couple of years of doing that, and then uh, just working in a bar part-time and doing the odd little bit of freelance here and there. I was quite lucky with the jobs that I'd done because I was able to sort of riff of what I'd been doing at uni. Just a lot of making and doing. I was a lot more free then, in a way, creatively, than I am now, I feel. Um, because it's like there's that level of striving and that need to, to be seen, to be heard, and for your work to be recognised. So you think a lot more outside of the box of what it is that you can create for people to notice. It was an interesting time. And it was then when I was working in the bar, bored out of my mind, just trying to think, how can I not do this with, by doing my work? And it was then that there was just like this picture of Lily Allen up on the wall and I just drew all over her face. And then that snowballed into where I am now. And it was completely by being in that situation. I sort of played with photography and drawing with photography, but I hadn't quite hit the mark on how it is my work collaborates with that image. And then it was just that particular image that just did it and it worked. And then all the magazine covers in my room just got completely destroyed and I got so giddy and excited. It was the idea of subverting these fashion images. It was a way of making my work present in an environment that's not really that engaging with illustration. It's like, it was just kind of showing and playing and being an illustrator in a way that for a long time, I didn't really see much of. There was a point I remember, it was one day I was working at the bar and I was just selling some of my own work, my own zines, my own prints and stuff like that. I was just like, if I don't just take a dive and focus on this full time, then I'm worried I'm going to get stuck. I just decided to take the leap and then it, it worked in my favour because suddenly all of my focus was put into this direction and things started to slowly grow because I was desperate. It was this or nothing. There was a lot of non-interviews, a lot of things that, didn't, that fell through and things that didn't happen. I was, I was doing a lot on my own and I was building a lot on my own and negotiating a lot on my own. Um, screwed over quite a lot of times. Um, you can get, there's a lot more protection out there now in the space of a few years than there was. I mean, people still get screwed, but there's a lot more protection out there and it's just advice. Anyone needs help when it comes to contracts and what fees they should be getting. I've always been an open book and I discuss it very openly with my peers and help them negotiate higher fees and this, that and the other. Um, so it's the same for anyone who's unsure. I'm always happy to help, but I wish we'd been taught more in uni like about this kind of stuff, what really we should be asking for. Because you come out not having a, a bleeding clue what, you should, what money you should be getting for certain projects and campaigns. And I know some people who've been royally screwed, myself included. It's a big, big learning curve. 98% of the time, never say yes to free work. No one should ever be working for free. It's your time. But the 2%, if it's like collaborating with friends on a zine or a magazine that's just starting out, dependent on who they are and your relationship with them and what they're allowing you to do, 
all of that stuff. If someone says exposure, don't tell them to do one, but tell them to do one. Do you know what I mean? It's like no one should ever work for free. It's your time, it's your money. You're spending hours, days and weeks putting in all this effort for somebody else's gain when you could be putting in all that time and effort into your own prints, your own zines, your own tees, your own merchandise, your time. The first, like, early projects I think were, uh, gave me a bit of traction was probably the House of Holland collaboration. Um, working with Henry was great, and that was definitely... I had a lot of freedom to do my own work as well, and he totally gets my style, so that gave a boost. And then I think the main one was the big Old Navy campaign in New York, working with, like, Roman Coppola and stuff. I mean, for a young illustrator, that was a very interesting, like, insane time. And I learned a lot about myself in that period as well. And I learned to get involved a bit more because I think I was so nervous at times. I just want to hide in the corner and draw instead of really engaging with the project and with working with someone of that caliber when you're only 24 is insane. That was, I think, the first time that it really took it to the next level because it was the incorporation of, you know, the print, the more sticker based illustrations and motifs to doing animation with live action. And that was a huge thing, a huge learning curve. So I'd say that was definitely a gateway project for me. Yeah, I think self-promotion is very important. But before you get excited about sending it off to people and, you know, asking people for stuff and doing all of this, really focus on you first. Because I think I, I would always just do something and send it off immediately and want people to reply and... It just, I was never, you know, approaching the right people, actually. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's more about creating something that you feel really reflects yourself and do the research to make sure that you're approaching people who will most likely respond to you because the, the fit is right. It's a double-edged sword with today because with something like Instagram, you've got a platform where you can connect with people so much more freely and so much more easily than ever before and get your work noticed by people, by that you'd never imagine possible. Part of it is like, you know, get yourself involved, but also find that time to switch off and disengage, especially from social completely, to work out what it is that you want to do and the work it is that you want to do. And don't be too afraid of not being the person you thought you were going to be, because if you restrict yourself that way, you're going to be disappointed. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Indy Davis, and the guest was Hattie Stewart. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include GF Smith, Squarespace, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.